Make sure the mic's in front of y'all. Mic's in front of you. Ready? Out in your mouth. All right, here we go. Rolling. Till We Feast podcast, where three pastor friends doing ministry in Washington, D.C., wrestle with questions around the church and how it can be a foretaste of the Feast of God. I'm Russ Whitfield. I'm one of the hosts for this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio by Pastor Glenn Hoberg and Pastor Duke Kwan. What's up, fellas? Hey, man. Doing well, man. Glad to be here. We're finally here. Finally here. Right on. Glenn, you're doing good today. I am. I am. I feel like this was a big to-do. This is a big to-do, man. We've talked about it for 10 years. Too long. Duke, what you thinking? I'm doing okay. I'm a little hot. You don't have any AC in this (laughs) room here. You got to turn it up. These are the woes of being city pastors (laughs) who don't own their buildings. And and ignore the kids being ministered to in the background if you hear some screaming. That's right. Cameos from the kids. Yeah. So... um, I was thinking one of the good things that came out of the pandemic was we started talking every week mm-hmm. more intentionally. Mm-hmm. And this thing really grew out of those phone calls yeah. because we would check in on each other, but then just help each other with the questions we were wrestling with that week. That's right. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a real fruitful thing for us to now do this and share it. Yeah. Because every time we would have these conversations that we were like, man, that that was a really fruitful conversation. I would benefit so much from talking to y'all, and I would think, man, I bet another person, a group of folk, this could be more broadly helpful to people. And so yeah. we started thinking about a podcast name, and what did we land on, Duke? We, we're calling this Till We Feast. Yeah. What does that mean to y'all? What's that title all about? I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, I think of how, like, at the very beginning of God's story, mm. he lays a table before his people, right? Mm. Like, yep. it's a feast that's spread. You can eat at any of this stuff. Just don't eat at tree. I'm going to jack your stuff up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then at the end of God's story, it's a feast. In the middle of God's story, he, he spreads a table before us, right? And then we actually have the table in our regular worship service. And so yeah. I think about how this life that God's called us to, the mission he's given us, this is the work that we're doing in preparation for the feast. And so Till We Feast is talking about the work, the ministry, the mission, the opportunities, the sacrifices, the, the work that we have to do on our way to the feast. Yeah. What you think, Glenn? No, I'm there too. The thing that comes to mind for me is we're hungry and thirsty. Mm. I mean, all of us are. Yeah. And if you're doing ministry, you're really hungry and thirsty. Yes. And hopefully this can be a little bit of an o- <laughs> oasis for all of us, right? <laughs> week to week. I mean, that's what those phone calls were for me, mm. an oasis. But, uh, you know, it, it did take a while, didn't it, Duke? Yeah, it did. It did. But we're finally here. Yeah. And we are looking forward each week to having one of us bring a real problem or struggle that we're having. We'll bring it to the pot and mm. we'll hash it out together. Mm. And hopefully our listeners will take away a few lessons. Maybe mm. most of all, we'll learn something, right? Yeah. As we always do. That's the way it always goes. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you got today, man? Listen, I've got a question, right? As mm. we said, we've been toying with the idea of doing something like this, a podcast or other big projects, that kind of thing. Mm. And it's taken us literally, <laughs> like literally... A decade. <laughs> I mean, that, that there's a whole lot of reasons for that, yes. right? But I've got to imagine there are a lot of people out there, whether or not they're pastors, just in life, 
where you have a project or a vision or a dream, mm. and it's especially in the church, something more related to mission, something that's creative, and mm. you're like, I want to do that. I've got to do that. Mm. And you never seem to get to that. Right. Yeah. It seems it's actually the thing that really gets you up in the morning, but something else is going on that kind of mm. shuts that dream down or mm. it seems to take precedent or priority over that or whatever it might be. And I, mm. and I don't, again, I don't think this is just us yeah. or maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is, but it seems like it's a subset of this bigger question for pastors, for mm. ministry folks, and really just people in general. Mm. Like why does it take so long, so much effort to get to that thing mm. get to that thing that maybe doesn't feel as essential mm. even if it's what you love mm. so what that's took a, us so long man that's a great question dude that is a good question man dude. yeah and i i mean it's it's relevant to so many parts of life mm. um what do you think i don't know I, you know uh I like to get the problem away from me as soon as I can. So let me go global. (laughs) Let me go global. You know, I immediately think about like the day and time and the cultural moment we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Where uh, we, you know, we scurry over (laughs) crosswalks, Mm. you know, we we fly, we transport, we're always moving. Mm. And uh, at times I feel like if I'm not moving... I'm not doing. Mm. I'm feeling, I, I start feeling guilty actually mm. if my life is not filled with, mm. and maybe what I'm getting to is when I hear you talk about that, my mind immediately goes to space. Mm. Like, do I have space mm. to even start to dream about that stuff, mm. let alone build it? Mm. I don't know, Russ, if that. Man, I mean, so look, I wouldn't be a real preacher if I didn't think of it in the lens of an illustration. So bring it. All right. So you gotta I, alliterate too while you're at I'm it. I'm gonna have to alliterate going. that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think about how um, you know, I think about a computer in its RAM, right? And mm. you only have so much RAM. And that is like the mental energy that you you know have to spend in order to think through things, accomplish things, keep focus. I think that a lot of us, we are so busy trying to uphold our identities, trying to please people, trying to make sure everyone likes us and that no one gets mad at us. There's so much RAM of our minds eaten up by that, that the RAM required to, to get things off the ground, to accomplish things, to mobilize people, to delegate gets eaten up. It's just another function of just like, what it's like to live in this modern world. It's like the people please and perfectionism performance, what I, one of my mentors called the killer piece. Mm-hmm. That undermines your your productivity and your ability to discern the difference between the urgent and the important because not everything that's urgent is important. Um, I mean, you're you're going deep all of a sudden, <laughs> which is where it ought to be. I mm-hmm. mean, you're, you're calling me to that idea of... Um, I was thinking about Eugene Peterson. Hmm. Oh, I think in the contemplative past. I know where you're going. Mean Gene. This is going to hurt. Yeah. All right. Well, he, <laughs> Go gentle. Well, he would basically say, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. If you're over busy, mm-hmm. it's either because you're lazy, mm. meaning, uh, which is, you know, sort of contradictory, right? Uh-huh. You're lazy because you're letting your life drive you. Mm. Or I think this was the second one. You're too self-important. Yeah, mm. arrogance, right? Mm. Yeah, arrogance, pride. You think you got to be doing too much, mm. and so ironically, all the important stuff you think you ought to be doing mm. 
is preventing you from doing something that would probably be very significant. Mm. And it's it's kind of like the the culture is teasing and tempting that stuff you're talking about inside. Mm. Yes. And just kind of pulling us that way. I mean, we are busy. And the question is, is that okay? Is mm. that right? Is that normal? I mean, all the stuff that you guys are bringing up, mm. like, are we doing the right thing? Are we? I mean, you use the word the urgent, mm-hmm. right? And you got that phrase, you know, the tyranny of the urgent. Yes. Like, what? Like, what is it that makes us feel like we have to do all those other things? Mm. And what are those other things mm. that seem to crowd out things? And again, remember, the, the way we started talking about this was this is something that we thought would bring us joy, would mm. be something we would love to do, right? So yes. you would almost think you would get to that, wouldn't you? You want to do that, right? right? And there's right. a lot of things that you are doing maybe that you don't want to be doing, just mm. the, the drudgery of, mm. you know, work and life and ministry and all mm. that. What does that mean? Are we prioritizing the wrong thing? Mm. Are we are we you know majoring on the minors? Mm. You know what's going on there? I think that we're captive to um, popular notions of success. That's noses and nickels, and if it doesn't hold out the prospect of immediate return on those fronts, mm. it's hard to remain principled and slow mm. to allow a healthy thing to develop over time. We always feel pressed to like, and and it comes in very practical ways. Let's just say, you know, you have some members. Let's just get you three or four members. They come to you and express concern because they notice some trends of people moving on from your church. And then all of a sudden it turns into a panic. And now you feel like you have to stand up some immediate responses to that to show them the church is good. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Like, (laughs) don't you leave. Right. 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 It's kind of like, oh, man, the minute you begin to get one little snowball out of the church, you're like, oh, that could turn into a huge thing. And so I need to hurry up and make sure I keep people happy because more often than not, people come to church as consumers rather than as disciples. Mm. And we have to make disciples. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus told us to make disciples is because the people who come to us don't start off there. Mm-hmm. So you get consumers who just want to take and not give. And then you have to pastor them, not resent them. You have to pastor them. You yeah. have to show them life is more than that. And being a part of the church is is something very different from a lot of other social clubs. It's just kind of pay to play. So I think a lot of those dynamics, the people dynamics of ensuring that your folks feel like, oh, the ministry's doing well. No one wants to bet on a loser. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that can be a, a real big function. And I think another reason why we struggle to get to the important things is because we feel like we have to be in control, hmm. which if you have to be in control, then you aren't free to delegate. And then you are left to your own resources, mm. your own power and strength and intellectual abilities, rather than multiplying that through delegation and enjoying all the gifts of the body, mm. because you don't need to be in control. You don't need to get the credit. This is us together being the church. Jesus gets the credit. We don't need it. And so I think that control thing is another factor. And to be clear, right, we're all about the everyday. We believe it's in the kind of quiet, hidden ministry mm. that the kingdom grows we believe that in the world of Reformed Presbyterians, mm. the ordinary means of grace, mm. right? We're not looking for the fast and shiny, but but what we're saying is there's an other kind of daily thing mm-hmm. that we're involved in, and we're not sure about that stuff. Mm. We're not sure about that stuff and how much of it is, as you said, running out of the stuff of our own heart, mm. running out of the stuff in the culture, or, as you mentioned, 
just the fact that we're in this very unique thing called the church, mm. right? Mm. I mean, it's it's a very unique organization. Right. Uh, organization specialists <laughs> say that if it's close to any model, it's like a family business, mm. and family businesses are fraught mm. with complexity, mm-hmm. right? If you fire Uncle Joe, you still have to see him at Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? You know, I, I was joking around. I was just telling this pastor I had lunch with today. I, w- I was saying, you know, for us, uh, every week is bring a kid to work week, <laughs> right? You know, it's like your family is in the whole thing. Mm. This thing is so enmeshed in every part of our lives. Mm. Right? It's even hard sometimes to separate out. Mm. What should I do and what shouldn't I do? Mm. I think that's just another tension I feel. Mm. Uh, true confessions. When I have to preach, the only thing I read that week, other than whether it be my personal time with God mm-hmm. or the commentaries, right? that's the only stuff I read if I have to preach. Mm. I will not read to feed my soul mm. unless I'm off. Mm. And I don't think that's right. Mm. I think that is this feeling like I got to get ahead. Mm. And I got to get ahead for next week. Mm. And even if I get ahead for next week, I need to get ahead of this. And then there's the emails coming in. I guess I'm just feeling like it takes a lot of conviction and discipline to Mm. say. I I think about when Jesus went off to pray and, uh, you know, Peter shows up or whoever the disciples show up and they're like, Everybody's looking for you. Yeah. What are you doing? Everybody's looking for you. <laughs> you know, and it's that sort of thing. Right. You know, and then he says, let's go away. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> right. And We're, then they get interrupted even still. Right. 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 You yeah. know, so helpful to hear you talk about that because it's almost like, Glenn, the thing that's hard to make time for or to prioritize is the thing that's sometimes the least measurable, hmm. like hmm. reading, hmm. you know, as you're talking about, hmm. or... Maybe it's not as containable, but it actually is the thing we most need, mm. Yeah. right? Because yeah. it, it might not feel as urgent. It's not the thing that's like the, cr- the latest crisis or whatever, mm. but it actually might be the most important thing. Mm. And like, it's hard to justify that, mm. especially as a minister, right? Where half the time you feel like you're putting out fires, mm. administrative fires, uh-huh. relational fires, mm-hmm. whatever fires, right? Wow. You know, it's just harder to justify the intangible thing, which... Honestly, if we work out of a different kind of uh, framework that the kingdom of God invites us to work out of, we should expect that the intangible, non-measurable kind of items are often going to be the most important things, like yes. mm. communion with Jesus or yes. you know, spending time with the Lord or prayer yes. or whatever. It's right. like, how, when was the last time you had a member come up to you and be like, Pastor... <laughs> Did you pray a lot this past week? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, Pastor, did you spend time with Jesus? I hope, I hope you did. It's like, no, it's at, 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 at best, and I'm not complaining here. It's the reality. It's all mm. of us. It's like, what did you make progress on that program mm. that we said we were going to develop, mm. or maybe on your sermon because mm. that's still a measurable kind of output yeah. thing, right? Mm. Um, but like, did you just spend time with Jesus? Did you spend so much time with Jesus? You didn't have time to respond to my email. Mm. Please, pastor. I hope you did. Man, no, they never- <laughs> what? Man, you ain't no. never going to see no email like that. <laughs> but, that glory. But, but that's the thing though, right? Mm. That's actually the stuff that we need to be setting aside time to yeah. do, but we struggle to. Duke, we can't. what you were, what you just said is like sews together what Glenn was quoting uh, Mean Gene Peterson. And uh, <laughs> yeah. when he, you remember when he, he talked about, I, I'm trying to remember uh, 
uh, is, I can't remember which book it was in, but he talked about how the pastor is not a hired gun. The pastor essentially is a peculiar presence in the midst of his people. And so if you think of yourself as a peculiar presence in the midst of your people, then I think that better orients you to the, the, the central um, obligations of the calling and the, the central work of your community as the church. If you see yourself as a hired gun, then you start to play the game that Duke was just describing, that, that you described, Glenn, yeah. and that I was uh, gesturing at when it, you talk about how we tend to be reactionary to the uh, emotional uh, pendulum swings of our people in terms of how they feel about the ministry and how it's going. And rather than, you know, you're reactionary rather than principled Mm -hmm. and say, we do this, we're sticking to this because we believe this to be central to our communal life together. And I do this and I maintain these priorities and I don't do these things out here because that is not the the central stuff to the calling of a pastor. And so we kind of, we kind of have to help people to under like people have to understand like they have to learn something in order to be shepherded yeah like like th- that's a skill to learn how to be shepherded and a lot of people don't know how to be shepherded and they don't know how to follow a pastor and so i i often find that that puts us at a disadvantage in terms of being able to roll out the central things and maintain focus on the central things rather than the peripheral things that's a really russ when you were talking about um those sort of perceptions, I was thinking about just a simple question, what is my job? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's, you know, ministry leaders, we're, we're a couple pastors, but mm-hmm. what is my job? Yeah. Mm. And how, and immediately, like, how I answer that, mm. right, it says a lot about, like, how I'm perceived, mm. what I think people think my job is. Mm. And it leads me to that question of myself, and that pastor you just described, the peculiar presence, we could be doing the exact same things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. On the surface. They, That's right. that, but there is a power and effectiveness coming mm. from that first, mm. which leads me to, I guess, this thought I'm having, which is quiet is necessary for creativity. Mm-hmm. So all of us have studied music, some of us more than others, but Mm -hmm. in my own particular growth as a musician, I've been more hit by I should not play the instrument until I've breathed, Mm -hmm. I've quieted myself. Mm -hmm. How can I expect to be musical, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. if I'm like, "This this is what I ought to sound like? Man, that is so good, Glenn, because it takes a certain discipline to be generative, you know, like to, huh. to a creative, right? Like you got to... That's good. You got to stay in the same... You got to get into a mindset. It's sort of like how many times do you sit down to write a sermon and you're like staring at it and you're like, <laughs> well, I got nothing. Jesus, what you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get into a fit and it's just like the creativity spurts like that. I, I, I think that's that right. what you're saying is really wise. We've been talking, you know, really in the lane of of pastors. Yeah. How do you land this for the ordinary person? Like yeah. why why does the ordinary Christian in the pews find it difficult to to focus on the things that they believe to be central and so distracted or caught up with the things that are not central? If you're an ordinary person, what what are some of the things? So, if you had a member Glenn come sit across from you and say, "I feel like I'm having a hard time getting to the things that I really 
want to be about that I'm really gifted and called to do because I got so many of these other things out here. Pastor, I need some counsel. What would you say? Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll say two things that I, I that come to mind. The one is maybe I can say to them, I know you probably look at my job and go, man, if I had all the time you had to be spiritual, <laughs> I would be really spiritual. But to say, listen, you the same idols you have, I have, uh-huh. yeah. and you got to do the same work, mm. the deep work, because mm. just having the time doesn't mm. mean that you're going to be producing the things you want. Mm. But the other thing is I do think we are our, our people probably need to hear more of their like priesthood of all believer vision mm. meaning mm. That, that they need to see mm. that like you have a vital priestly mm. role in the kingdom of God moving forward mm. and so maybe now I'm getting into like calling mm. sometimes with folks I draw a circle I call it the pie of your life mm. and I you know divide it into chunks and most people when they do it job eats up the whole pie. Mm. You know, they don't even actually uh, notice that they haven't put sleep down, mm. right? Sleep's a very humbling thing. Mm. Like, right, <laughs> you think you're really productive. You're sleeping most of the time. Yeah. I mean, you're laying there doing nothing. Yeah. But the other side of it is just like, how do I see God? Do I have a holistic view? And part of that holistic view, I think, is someone that really understands everything's happening from the kingdom. I like where you're going with that, that, that calling question. I feel like you know, if the if the challenge is the the ordinary person that's like there are projects or ideas that I have, I don't feel like I can get to it. Mm-hmm. I feel like clarity and confidence, humble confidence mm. in what your calling is, is so vital to that. In other words, mm-hmm. I feel like we're thrown around chasing after this, chasing after that, waking up, not sure what we're going to be able to get done, mm. and then going to sleep frustrated. Like Part of it is because we don't know what we're supposed to be all about primarily. Mm. Like, what's the main That's thing? True. Like you mentioned earlier, Glenn, what is my job description? Mm. I mean, I know they have like vocational exercises and tools out there. To, right. I, I don't know. More and more these days, I'm like, man, we all got to sit down and just map it out. What am I supposed to be doing with right. my time, my energy? How am I supposed to be stewarding my gifts? Mm. Because time is short and so is yeah. energy. You're talking yeah. about sleep. I need some more sleep. I want to sleep yeah. more, right? No, that's right. right. <laughs> as soon as I get so, any kids out of my house, I'm going to sleep like a champ. Right. So the clarity of knowing what do I want to do? Do you know what are my priorities? What must I do if I, ha- if I can only expend myself on one thing mm. for this season mm. or for this week mm. or for this year? What is it going to be? Or one thing or two things or whatever it might be. Huh. But I feel like so much of we don't get to those important but sort of hard to grasp things because we, it just doesn't fit what we have in our heads as to what we need to be all about. Mm. I don't know. I mm. also think, let me throw this in too, speaking about calling. You know, as we were talking about this the last several minutes, you know, there's a little bit of like a tendency that to like blame ourselves. Oh, yeah, this is, you know, a stink. That's why Mm. that's why we didn't get to this. That's why I couldn't do this because I'm, you know, the Eugene Peterson stuff because I'm arrogant because I'm lazy or whatever. Or Mm. so we blame ourselves or we blame other people. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, mm. they're making me do it. It's right. their fault, right? right? Mm. Or right. we blame the culture. <laughs> yeah, we just a productivity, busy culture. Mm. But what if it's just hard? Mm. <laughs> what if it mm. just is, yeah. right? Because yeah. we're limited, because time is short, energy is short. You know, mm-hmm. what, if, like, what if it's just part of the slog of faithfulness this side of heaven mm-hmm. in limited incarnated people that we are, and mm-hmm. we're not always going to get to some things that are really important, and right. that's the thorns and thistles of our work and life. Mm. 
but I, I just feel like there needs to be some element of people. Again, we're talking about just people out there, non-pastors even, just being able to accept like sometimes it's just going to be really hard and really uphill. That's reality. Yeah. That's the tension in which this unfolds, right? Like that's a contextual challenge in which the this happens right yeah if i'm sitting across from someone i'm gonna who's an ordinary church member right like they're just trying to love the lord they're trying to focus on the things that matter they're trying not to get you know sidetracked by things that don't matter yeah i'm gonna say a few things if they feel like they're having a difficult time getting to the center of their calling or like really doing the important things first thing i'm gonna bring up is this really great book uh by james clear uh it was a new york times bestseller called atomic habits and in that book he made this statement he said uh, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Mm -hmm. So many people will have goals about doing big things, but because yeah. they don't have the supporting systems to get there, they never achieve those goals. He said, he, as an illustration, he said 37 teams had a goal to win the Super Bowl in the NFL this year, but only one actually got the victory. And yeah. he said, that shows you goals are not enough. You need right. systems in place. So right. it gets down into the tedium of your rhythms, your habits, your practices, and the actual life that you're constructing by way of everyday practices, right? That's really good. Yeah. That's good. Second thing I would say is I think we need to invite people to do some story work, story of origin work, right? Because a lot of people may be uh, hiding out in the some other activities and not getting to the center of their calling because it feels like such a big risk and they don't feel free to fail because yeah. they yeah. heard that message in their growing up and they don't realize it, but they are walking around with their parents or some mentor or someone who's like in their ear saying, ooh, that's risky. Oh, you, you should probably stick with the... The, the low-hanging fruit. I don't know. It's like fear of failure if I try to go after this big thing. And to the, together, collectively, we've had our share of victories and, and failures. Yeah. And I love about our team that we've we've never really been afraid of failing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've tried stuff and it didn't work. And it's like, hey, it's all good. Yeah. I just think we pick up a lot of habits of mind and a lot of practices um, based upon how we were formed in our story that we need to attend to. Like, what is it that makes you afraid? What is it that makes you feel stuck? What if, what do you think needs to happen? And what would happen if you did that? And that's where you start to see the things that people are afraid of, their governing idolatries, their non-negotiables and their negotiables. Cause sometimes it's like, well, because I have this non-negotiable and it's like, who told you that was a non-negotiable? Mm -hmm. Why do you feel that's the non-negotiable rather than this is the non-negotiable? Is email the non-negotiable or spending time engaging your neighbors? Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to look at our habits, you would conclude that email is much more important. <laughs> and the, you know, Russell, when you mentioned team and team, I, I immediately thought of how individualistic we can be in a conversation like this. Mm. Right? I'm going to sit down with my tablet mm. and I'm going to write down my. This is what I want to achieve. Yeah. But I don't think we'd be in this room today if it weren't for the three of us. Mm. Meaning, like, you know, when one of us was like, I don't know if we prompted each other. Yes. I think you really need community hmm. to not only dream up those things, but then to execute them. Like, yeah, I need, right, I need yeah. someone to be able to say to me, mm. you know, no, that's all right. We're going to take this time. Like, one of you, uh, I forget who it was, maybe Duke, mm. we were sitting there talking about, do we need to start to restructure our year with like dedicated retreats mm. where the ministry leadership go off. It sounds, it sounds like it's um, too indulgent to yeah. do something like that. Right. Yeah. But it's not indulgent. Maybe that's a thing. I, I feel like the spiritual care we need hmm. sounds too indulgent hmm. 
to result in the creative mission that we want. Mm. Mm, that's good, Glenn. That's good. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. What are you taking away from this conversation, Duke? I'm taking away that I need some sleep. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, I'm still stuck on the idea it's of like sleep. That, Glenn, that Glenn is activated good something in me. It's <laughs> <laughs> no. like you touched my soul. No, um, no, I don't know, man. I, so many good things. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna be thinking about sort of clarity of calling. Mm. Wait, that was my own point, huh? I was. I like. Oh, I said that. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, habits of mind, mm. and and I love what you said, by the way, because I had a a, a, co a vocational coach that was sort of given the same sort of thing. What is your goal, and then do you have support structures mm. that can actually help you? achieve that goal yes. right you got to deal with both at the same time so yes. those kinds of concrete ideas mm. um but you know i yeah i you know I, I i always come back to that eugene peterson thing too in terms of just the busyness that we complain mm. about but we feel victimized by yes. how yes. much of that is because i'm just not on top of the pile mm. and yeah. not yeah deciding Mm. proactively, mm. confidently, prayerfully deciding this is what I need to be doing mm. instead of living a, an entirely reactionary life mm. where everyone and everything is deciding for me how I'm expending my energy and my time. What yeah. do you think, Glenn? I think where Russ started, uh, where he started uh, messing with my deep soul at the beginning <laughs> with this idea of like, you know, deep down, who am I really serving? Mm. Like, like what's, and then where you ended, Duke, where you... Uh, called me out on blaming the culture. Uh, <laughs> we just call it... I'm, I'm the to, chief of blaming, man. To, qu I, to I quote to a song, it. we'll blame it on Cain. Blame it on the rain. You go way back, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Made yeah. vanilla. Made oh, yeah. vanilla, man. You go <laughs> way back. Yeah, yeah. We love you, Gen Xers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think that probably is the, the fearless work I need to do mm. underneath. Mm. That's good. How about you, Russ? Man, my main takeaway is like, look, I often feel like I can't afford to go after the central things and the big vision. And now I'm like rethinking. I'm like, I can't afford not to go after it. It's more costly uh, huh. not to go after the things that are central to your life, your calling and your mission. And ultimately the desires that the, that the Lord has put in you when they are sanctified and, and idolatry free, <laughs> or <laughs> at least idolatry is mitigated in mm. your soul. It's like, we can't afford not to do that. That's what this life is. God has given us things to give to the world. That's why he loaded us up with gifts. That's why he poured out the riches of his grace upon us so that we could turn around and give that to the world. And together we are increasing the glory that is given to the Lord as people come to faith, as people get freed up from idols, as people enter into the flourishing of God's pathway and God's wisdom. And, and that's what we want for ourselves. And that's what we want for our people. So like, I think that the church is at its best when everyone is operating in their calling uh, living, working out of the giftings that they have, not feeling like they need to do it all, but they're recognizing that God has created a diverse body to help bring additional gifts and layers to the, the grand work that needs to be done. And that's very freeing and very focusing. All that's to say, it took us a while to get here. <laughs> but we're here. But we're here. We're glad to be here. In the words of that famous poet laureate and theologian Drake, 
started from the bottom, and <laughs> now we're here. Now right. we're here. Amen. <laughs> well, that does it for our first episode of the Till We Feast podcast. We want to thank y'all for listening into this conversation, and we hope that you join us for the next episode that we pull together. And in the meantime, we want to ask you to please subscribe. Click that subscribe button. Share it to anyone that you think it might be helpful to. And uh, if you're feeling so generous, we'd love for you to write a review and give us your thoughts. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll talk to you soon. See you all. Peace.